Digital Officer of the Principality of Monaco, Frederick Genta, is with me. Frederick, welcome back to Riviera Radio. Monaco is undergoing profound change, largely due to the digital revolution, ensuring a sustainable model. As part of the extended Monaco programme, Monaco Cloud was born. For those that don't know about it, can you tell us more about the Monaco Cloud, which is the operator of the sovereign state cloud of Monaco? Sure. Thanks for having me again. Monaco had to face a crucial choice. As a country, we need sovereignty. We cannot rely on other countries uh, for data, especially in a world where data and data is becoming the most strategic thing we have. And uh, But we needed the service. We need the power. We need the compute power. We need the ability that the cloud provides. So as we could not rely on other clouds and there were no clouds in Monaco, we decided to build our own cloud our own sovereign cloud, Monaco Cloud. It was built uh, in 2021. Now we are opening testing, and so we are welcoming any client, any corporation that would like to work with Monaco Cloud to get the best cloud service in Monaco with the highest level of security. Monaco government is, of course, behind this project, along with the Monaco security as well, to assure, as you just said, that there's high security. Uh, The cloud is also open to the Amazon Web Services ecosystem. What does this mean for a user of the Monaco cloud? So we are building an hybrid cloud. Everything that will be on our territory will be sovereign. But sometime our client will say, I will need some extra services that do not exist on sovereign cloud. I will need some special AI service. I will need some special uh, applications and we will be able to crypt our data, to send it to the uh, Amazon, I would say, provider, and then to uh, crypt it back. So all data Amazon will receive are encrypted uh, by Monaco, and uh, when they come back, they are decrypted. So that helps a lot, providing the best of both worlds, building on billions of dollars company and billions of dollars of investment in cloud, and at the same time, keeping our data safe in Monaco with the uh, security agency stamp. You're right, the go- it was a strategic move for the government. We are proud to say that here in Monaco, we're the first in Europe to be able to, to offer this service. And we're very happy to help our economy grow digital with this cloud. And there are other partners also involved? We partner with all the tech companies in Monaco. That will be the one uh, growing uh, the, the business. So you could go to uh, Monaco Digital, Synergy, Telis, you could go to those companies. They will be the one making the cloud available to you, understand your needs, and then uh, help you transition to the cloud because it's not something that you could do overnight. You have to structure the data in a certain way. But first was mainly economic challenge. Two things. First, we didn't want all the value of the cloud business to go out of Monaco. We wanted to build our own cloud to make sure the principality world benefit from this growing market. And also, we wanted our companies, our economy, to benefit from uh, a local best-in-class service. So it was really uh, an economic challenge. Then come the, the IT digital, but for us, it's really an economic approach, and it's uh, really to grow both our economy and the state uh, revenues. It certainly is an ambitious and very exciting project. 2022 is upon us. Where do you see the extended Monaco by the end of this year? 
I see uh, I see it, a lot of challenges for economy. We hope it will recover from COVID. We are still helping our companies with uh, the Blue Fund. Today, more than 400 companies in Monaco have benefited from the Blue Fund. Today, when we, you invest one euro in uh, digital with the Blue Fund, it gets you eight euros of revenue. That's what the companies are telling us. More than 250 people were hired via the Blue Fund. So we are already working on growing our digital economy and transforming our current economy. That's our first priority for 2022. How do we make our economy robust in a world that has changed? Then we also want to make sure that our residents, our international residents, have the best quality of life. That's why we have fully transformed the way education is done. Uh, it's fully digitalized. Uh, digital content has been included. Professors have connection with students and parents uh, via digital tools. Parents were trained to be able to master and help those uh, students. They're all trained for coding. Monaco was last year first in Europe in the European Coding Week. So education is moving really forward. And last but not least, in 2021, we launched our digital identity. We launched our um, one-stop shop for administrative tasks. We're going to grow that to make sure that by end of this year, every single service that people use will be able digitally. One last number, we were really impressed because people in Monaco are asking for, for example, for uh, apartments, for accommodations, and they, the majority of the demand now are done online. So even for complex tasks like asking for a new apartment, the tasks are done online. Challenging tasks, but you're getting there. You're a very busy man, and thank you very much for coming into the radio. Thank you so much. The Press Review is brought to you by BMW Côte d'Azur. Guardian says the French President Emmanuel Macron believes he can deliver a historic solution to the Ukraine crisis ahead of his arrival in Moscow for talks with Russian President Vladimir Putin. After a flurry of diplomatic activity that included talks with US President Joe Biden this weekend and three phone calls with Putin, Macron will land in Moscow um, today seeking a de-escalation of the tense standoff in Ukraine's eastern borders. Russia has denied planning to invade Ukraine, but has tens of thousands of troops near its neighbours' borders, prompting the United States to order around 3,000 extra troops to bolster NATO's eastern flank in Poland and Romania. Uh, the paper says the White House believes Moscow has assembled at least 70% of the firepower it needs to give Vladimir Putin the option of a major military operation by mid-February. The US National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said on Sunday that an invasion could take place as soon as tomorrow. But Macron told the Journal du Dimanche newspaper on Sunday that Russia's objective was not Ukraine, but a clarification of the rules with NATO and the EU. He said it was therefore urgent to advance towards a new order, which our Europe needs profoundly and which rests on the cardinal principle of sovereign equality among states. He said his dialogue with Putin would probably be enough to prevent military conflict breaking out, despite the pessimistic assessments in many Western capitals. In this morning's Le Monde newspaper, Australia is to reopen its borders to tourists on February the 21st. A close since March 2020, Australia's borders will reopen on February the 21st to tourists who are fully vaccinated against COVID. Prime Minister Scott Morrison made the announcement, saying, If you are double vaccinated, we look forward to welcoming you back to Australia. For the past two years, Australians have mostly not been allowed to leave their country and only a few visitors have obtained an exemption to enter the territory. According to the Australian Chamber of Commerce and Industry, uh, the border closures have cost 2.27 billion euros each month. 
The Toronto Star reports that the mayor of Ottawa, Jim Watson, has declared a state of emergency in the city over ongoing trucker protests. In a news release on Sunday, the city said the decision reflects the serious danger and threats to the safety and security of residents posed by the ongoing demonstrations. It also highlights the need for support from other jurisdictions and levels of government and will give the city more flexibility to procure supplies. Frustration in the nation's capital has been mounting since what some are calling an occupation of the downtown core began over a week ago with trucks blocking streets and horns blaring throughout the night. And in the Connection France, French supermarket tills where chit-chat is welcome are growing in popularity. The slow checkouts are for shoppers who want a more personal experience and aim to help tackle a loneliness and isolation. The French supermarket chain Carrefour has launched what it calls a blah-blah checkouts. Tell me more about that in the next hour. The news is next. The Press Review, brought to you by BMW, Mies Premium Motors, Bayern Avenue Cannes, BMW Store Monaco and JPV Fréjus. Boost your business with the electrified range by BMW. Find all the BMW business drive offers at your car dealer. Have you made it really easy this morning? Uh, yes, I think I think you can do it. Well, last week you had a run, didn't you? I mean, you got them right every morning nearly, got a few more wrong. or less. Got a few wrong. Question number one. On this day in 1976, Paul Simon started a three-week run at number one on the US Singles Chart with which song? It was the singer's first solo US number one. 50 Ways to Leave Your Lover. Correct. Question number two. On this day in 1981, Call and the Gang started a two-week run at number one on the US Singles Chart with which track? It was the group's first number one and eighth top 40 hit and a number seven hit in the UK. Celebration. Correct. And finally, on this day in the same year, 1981, John Lennon was at number one on the UK singles chart with which song? Just like starting over. No? No. You were doing so well. Yes. I'll give that to you. Okay. Ignore your first answer. (laughs) It was Lennon's third number one in seven weeks after his death on December the 8th, 1980. Yeah. Remember exactly where I was when I heard about that. And it's great to go to the Dakota building when I was in New York and uh, see where he lost his life and also the Strawberry Fields tribute uh, opposite in Central Park. Riviera Radio. Business. Good morning. Good morning. Is it time for Eddie Jones to go? <laughs> it's a worry. It's a worry, quite frankly. But, uh, yes, um... It feels like British sport, well, English sport in general, is going through a bit of a rough ride. So perhaps there's a, there's plenty of scope for uh, changes of management teams. Is it time for Boris Johnson to go? <laughs> I have a feeling that would be your segue into that. I, I was already sort of caging my response in, in case you were going that way. We'll let the Conservatives MP in the first, uh, in the first wave decide that. Okay, Uh, it does look like a no-confidence vote is going to be just around the corner, so as I say, we'll wait and see. Now, markets, uh, turbulent week last week, but, uh, well, the the S&P 500 uh, came up trumps on Friday uh, on the back of those non-farm payroll numbers. Yeah, it was an interesting week. After turbulent January, there were signs, at least at the start of last week, that investors were prepared to peek over the macro wall of worry that's been created by hawkish central banks, geopolitical tensions and virus disruptions to refocus on corporate fundamentals. We had a raft of influential companies, of course, delivering their fourth quarter earnings. However, volatility spiked as the week progressed. 
policymakers, the Bank of England and the European Central Bank projected more persistent inflation. US labour data, as you've been talking about, put pressure on the Fed perhaps to front load hikes. Some of the shine was taken off the earnings season by that mega miss from Meta. If you look at a 10-day average of the value of all stocks traded in the US, it stands at around $820 billion, which is 46% above its 2021 average. Gives you an idea of some of the volatility that we've been seeing in markets. Despite the wild swings, US equities did manage to register a positive gains over the course of the trading week. The S&P 500 is up 1.6%. Not such good news in Europe. The stock 600 was down 7 tenths of 1% over the course of the week. The real action, of course, has been taking place in bond markets where yields have been surging. UK 10-year yield rose to 1.37%. That's the highest level in more than three years. 10-year Treasury yield settled at 1.93%, the highest close since December 2019. It's filtering through to Europe as well. Italy's 10-year topped uh, 1.75% that compared to just 1.25% at the start of the week. So really starting to see the impact of those change of rate expectations filtering through to financial markets. Well, uh, Emmanuel Macron's on his way to Moscow for talks with Vladimir Putin, uh, looking at the oil price this morning, $93.59 for Brent, and it's creeping up towards $100 again. Uh, would you expect to see a price decrease if uh, Macron pulls a rabbit out of the hat today? Well, if there's a diplomatic solution to the uh, impending conflict over Ukraine, clearly that would be seen as good news, I think, for energy markets and help to reduce some of the pressure that we have been seeing in terms of uh, the oil price coming through. It's a little bit more structural. I think it goes perhaps beyond that as well. The reality is that demand has been recovering at a rapid rate. Omnicron seems to have had limited impact in terms of that demand recovery coming through. OPEC have been adding, of course, supply back into the market, but there's lots of evidence that a number of its members have been struggling to meet those new production targets. So that supply and demand imbalance potentially could keep oil prices elevated, at least over the course of the next couple of months. Longer term, though, I think you'll see the market rebalance a little bit and perhaps oil prices could start to alleviate. But as I say, a lot does revolve around what happens with Ukraine. Well, the worrying thing for the West is that uh, China and Russia seem to be cozying up a bit, don't they? And uh, China sort of said in no uncertain terms that it backs Russia's uh, uh, strategy for Ukraine. And uh, I think President Xi has told Putin if you could just hold off invading until the Olympic Games are over. <laughs> well, of course, they are there for the Olympic Games. Putin has been uh, in Beijing watching those Olympic Games and there's been an opportunity for the leaders to come together. So perhaps... Uh, some discussion around what they've uh, what they've decided on and what they've agreed upon but we wait as I say to see exactly what takes place if we do get a conflict in Ukraine of course the size of that conflict and the long-term disruption that can emanate from that. And China also rattling Liz Truss's cage over the weekend uh, coming out in support of Argentina's claims to the Falkland Islands. <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's nice to have a little bit of mischief once in a while. Really? Well, maybe Ooh, not. Rather do without it. OK, let's have a look at those uh, non-farm payroll numbers in a bit more detail, Henk. Um, good news uh, for Wall Street yesterday, but uh, Asian markets slightly more concerned uh, that it'll just lead to aggressive tightening by the Federal Reserve. 
Yeah, well, if you look at the report, it delivered an historic overshoot relative to estimates. Headline numbers, US economy created 467,000 jobs in January. The estimate was for 125,000. It's also accompanied by 709,000 of upward revisions over the past two months. Average hourly earnings jumped seven tenths of 1% month on month. I think we have to be a little bit careful and not read too much into the figures. The report appears to have been impacted by statistical factors, revisions to the benchmark, seasonal features, compositional effects as well. But putting that to one side, certainly the headline number adding to market jitters that policy tightening timetable will be more aggressive than previously forecast. This week's US inflation report, one would suspect, will do very little to dampen the hiking rhetoric. We look for CPI to have risen four-tenths of 1% month-on-month or 7.2% year-on-year in January. If you look at market pricing, investors now pricing a five hikes during the course of this year. The chance of a 50 basis point increase in March has also been rising. If you look at overnight index swaps, now indicate an even chance of a half a point increase coming through. However, recent commentary from Fed officials still points to a more gradual removal of policy. We still think 25 basis point increase in March, still looking more likely, uh, but I think it could be somewhat of a close call. How's Brexit going then? Uh, reasonably well, thank you. All good. No problem there. All right. And I was thinking to myself, the, just the other day, I was thinking... Well, it's um, about time you did a bit yeah. of self-reflection, quite frankly. Yeah, I was thinking to myself that, um, you know, with the, uh, the Nasdaq sort of uh, dropping through the floor and, uh, since the start of the year, um, some of those tech companies might be a bit vulnerable to a takeover. And, uh, uh, you know, are you, are you thinking there could be a sort of a, a wave of consolidation in the sector? And lo and behold, uh, Pelo being eyed up by both Nike and uh, Amazon. Yeah, it's certainly been reported that's the uh, case with both companies apparently considering a bid for Peloton, the online exercise service. Peloton's market cap has collapsed since their peak when demand, of course, for their bike surged during the course of the height of the pandemic. Peloton's valuation has fallen from $50 billion 12 months ago to around about $8 billion. Peloton has been also dealing with an activist investor that's been uh, claiming widespread mismanagement. The company recently told employees that they were considering cutting staff and reducing output. That's due to lower demand for its high-end exercise bikes and treadmills. The company's finance is still looking in reasonable shape. Revenue numbers recently were uh, in line with expectations. If you look at the monthly churn rate, which is the number of people leaving the service each month, was just 0.79% last month. So still uh, lots of people sticking with the service. I suppose if Amazon were to make a purchase, it would be in line with their pledge to expand into health and wellness. So uh, yes, as prices fall, there's uh, certainly going to be opportunities. We've seen it in the gaming sector and perhaps also seeing it with Peloton now amongst others. Which other tech firms might be vulnerable to take over Zoom perhaps? Well, it's probably not for me to mention individual stocks, quite frankly, because it may encourage people to uh, put their money into that. So uh, I'll leave it to you to uh, speculate over individual companies. Okay. do you think people listen to what you say then? Uh, Once in a while. (laughs) Uh, Foreign exchanges, the euro is quite strong. Yeah, euro had its best week since uh, 2020 last week. Uh, So uh, reacting again to the uh, expectations around the European Central Bank's tightening timetable. Plan against dollar coming in at 135, euro dollar coming in 
at 1.14. Going to get €1.18 for your British pound this morning. Uh, can you tell me the price of peanut futures uh, just uh, before we go? Uh, I can't at the moment. <laughs> Why? Do you think that's a way to go? I don't know. I don't know anymore. Thank you very much. Have a good day. Hang Potts and Barclays. On FM and DAB Plus across the Côte d'Azur, on your phone and worldwide online. This is Riviera Radio with the latest local news for the south of France. Sarah Lyce has the top stories across the Riviera. Two motorcyclists have died in a road accident in the Bouche de Rhone. The accident occurred on Sunday afternoon on the D559 between Cassis and Roquefort La Bajule. Emergency services intervened but were unable to save the two men aged 25 and 40. The cause of the collision is still to be determined. The traffic was stopped in both directions. Meanwhile, two people have been injured in a collision in Roquebrune saint argent in the VAR on the RD7. The accident occurred on Sunday afternoon, shortly after 5.30pm. An 18-year-old woman and a 20-year-old man were taken to hospital in Fréjus. In other news, a 14-year-old boy who was forgotten by his parents on a motorway rest area has been reunited with them. The incident occurred on Saturday at Rocamar Rest Area on the A9 motorway in the Vaucluse. The police were quick to intervene and were able to reunite the teenager with his parents thanks to social media. Meteo France has issued a yellow weather alert in the VAR due to high winds. Gusts of up to 120 kilometres an hour are forecast today. Uh, the warning is in place until early evening. The number of COVID patients in France has stabilised, according to Public Health France, with the number of contaminations recorded over a week are showing a downward trend. Nearly 33,000 people are currently hospitalised and 3,606 are in intensive care. On average, over seven days, 256,000 daily cases have been recorded. That's a sharp drop from the 345,000 recorded a week ago. In addition, just over 54 million people in France have received at least one injection of the COVID vaccine and 52.8 million are fully vaccinated. Uh, since the start of the booster campaign, uh, 36.5 million people have received a booster dose. Finally, French President Emmanuel Macron is to meet uh, today with Vladimir Putin uh, to discuss the terms of de-escalation at the border with Ukraine. President Macron has indicated that he will discuss the terms of de-escalation on the border with Ukraine, where Westerners accuse Moscow of having massed tens of thousands of soldiers for a potential invasion, which Russia denies, claiming it's only to guarantee its security. Riviera Radio, Sports News. China leads the medals table on day three of the Winter Games in Beijing with two golds and a total of six medals so far. Norway are in second place with two golds and a total of three, with Sweden in third place with two gold medals. France are yet to win a gold, but they have one silver, while Great Britain are guaranteed at least a silver in the curling. There are nine medal events today, including in men's and women's alpine skiing, biathlon, figure skating, snowboard, ski jumping. Fancy a go at that? It's impressive, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> and uh, shorts track speed skating. Rugby Union. France topped the Six Nations table following the first round of matches. France were far too good for Italy in Paris on Sunday, coming out 37-10 winners, while Ireland are in second after beating Wales 29-7 in Dublin on Saturday. Scotland are in third place after they beat England in the Calcutta Cup match at Murrayfield for the second consecutive time. Oh dear. I know. I think Eddie Jones is running out of time. I think, you know, yeah. That's okay. I think he's had his chance and uh, they've been going backwards since the World Cup, really. I think they have to get rid of him before the next World Cup. 
next weekend, Wales plays Scotland, France hosts Ireland. That could be the championship decider already, couldn't it? And Italy play England. There's one game in the Gallagher English Premiership on Sunday. Harlequins lost 36-14 at home to Sale. Football, Senegal have beaten Egypt on penalties in the Africa Cup of Nations final. The scores were tied at 0-0 after extra time, with Senegal winning the shootout 4-2. In the FA Cup on Sunday, non-league Boreham Wood caused the shock of the fourth round after beating Bournemouth of the Championship 1-0 to reach the fifth round. Boreham Wood, eh? Who'd have thought it? I wouldn't, but Boreham would. Nottingham Forest of the Championship beat East Midlands rivals and cup holders Leicester 4-1. There's something special going on at Forest, you know. Did you see that game? No, I didn't. It was brilliant. Forest played absolutely brilliantly. And Liverpool beat Cardiff 3-1. So no cup set there. No. Chelsea were a bit lucky against Plymouth, actually. Well, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, they only won 2-1 after extra time and uh, Plymouth had a penalty saved in the uh, the dying minutes still. Uh, here's more football from BBC Sports. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. Hello, I'm Paul Serres at the BBC Sports Centre. Liverpool forward Sadio Mane scored the decisive penalty as Senegal beat Egypt to become the champions of Africa for the first time. Mane had a penalty saved in the first half before the match finished 0-0 after extra time. Egypt missed two of their spot kicks, with Mane delivering the trophy for the Lions of Taranga. The former Manchester City defender Nedimonua praised the Liverpool man for stepping up to convert the winner. Think of all the conversations we're having in the lead-up to this tournament where some people were downplaying the tournament itself. But you look at the emotions running through these players in these moments. Playing for their country is everything. Yeah. For all the joy that Mane feels. You see this from Salah, he's brought, he's brought to tears. Because this, this would have been everything for him. So the trophy he's, he's not won yet. Mm. And what a chance to win it as captain of your own nation. So for, you know, to see the other side of it for Mane, what a great moment to win you first. And he did what he needed to do in the game, as did everybody else. Defensively, it was, it was great, it was solid. And then you go to the lottery penalties, but can you, can you take yours, can you score yours? Mm. And then to see Mane stepping up for the fifth penalty with the chance to win the whole thing on the line, what a great penalty it was. The FA Cup holders Leicester City are out, losing 4-1 away at second-tier Nottingham Forest in the fourth round of the Cup. The Leicester City manager, Brendan Rodgers, questions the desire of some of his players. It's a hunger in the team. That, that This team's been together for three-odd years, and I can see some worrying signs there. But um, with some of our players, unfortunately. But, uh, but it's something we've got to go again. We've got to get back in. And uh, we've got a tough game now and a big game on, on Thursday. Uh, but today was nowhere near good enough. Liverpool are also through to the fifth round. They beat Championship side Cardiff 3-1 at Anfield. And for more football news from the BBC, go to bbc.com forward slash football. BBC Premier League update from the home of Premier League football. I reckon Forrest are going to get promoted. You know, they're just outside the playoff places at the moment in the Championship, but they're looking good. I bet they were all singing, he's got a pineapple on his head in Nottingham last night. Unless they're supporters of Notts County, of course. Uh, in the Scottish Premiership on Sunday, Celtic were 4-0 winners of Motherwell, while Rangers thrashed Hearts 5-0. And in Formula 1, Lewis Hamilton's returned to social media for the first time since the controversial end to last season at the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix. Hamilton has not spoken to fans since he lost the World Championship to Max Verstappen in Abu Dhabi after race director Michael Massey failed to, correct, uh, failed to follow correct safety car procedures 
in the final stages of the race. There's still doubt over whether the seven-time world champion will return to the sport next season after reports said he'd lost faith in the sport's governing body. On Sunday, Hamilton posted on Twitter saying, I've been gone, but now I'm back. Wow. Here's the marine weather forecast for coastal areas up to 20 miles offshore the Almaracim in the bar. The general situation, high pressure, 1,028 millibars over the western Mediterranean. And winds are variable, force 2 to 4, the sea is slight, visibility is good. Barometric pressure at saint jean cap 1,018 millibars. And the outlook for Tuesday, clear skies, force 2 to 4, variable winds, slight seas and good visibility. For North Corsica, winds are northerly, force 3 to 5, the sea is slight to moderate, visibility is good, barometric pressure at Cap Course, 1019 millibars, and the outlook for Tuesday, clear skies, force 3 to 5, variable winds, slight to moderate seas, and good visibility. Riviera Radio, weather. Clear skies, light to moderate westerly or variable winds in the Alma Maritime. A strong mistral in the VAR at the moment, around uh, 80 kilometres an hour. The gusts, it should start to die down this afternoon. Uh, top temperature 17 degrees, overnight lows 6 to 8 degrees on the coast, 1 to 3 degrees inland. Tuesday and Wednesday, clear skies, highs of 15 or 16 degrees. Finally. We all know that letting our children have too much screen time can end in tears, and now a new study has found out why. A previous research has shown that the blue light from television and tablet screen risks damaging the quality of children's sleep, which can make them more temperamental. But the new study, conducted by Oxford University, has shown that using screens to soothe a toddler could also mean they miss out on learning how to calm themselves down. Researchers found that the longer a child spent in front of a screen, the poorer they were at managing their emotions. Mm. It's a good programme about 70 Years of the Queen on BBC last night. Was there? Did you see that? No, I didn't yeah. see that. It had Macca on it and Lulu and um, Sir David Attenborough. Lulu looks absolutely amazing, doesn't she? Yes. Gosh, she must be over 70. She must be now, yeah. yeah. But she looks absolutely... Oh, you know, you wouldn't say she's a day over 40, really. Yeah. Maybe even 35. <laughs>